All right, welcome back. It's episode number two. Episode number two of the Upford Podcast. You know what that means, don't you, folks? That means this is officially a series. All right. That is a good thing. Oh, and my phone just thought I said, hey, Siri. No, shut up. Modern technology, right? So, we're officially a series. Do do the... Do the search. There are a ton of one-episode podcasts in existence, and we are now officially not one. So that is an accomplishment in and of itself. In the uh, new age of uh, the interwebs, where everyone is an expert. All right, so we've accomplished something. Hey, look, I'm glad you could tune in. If you haven't, please go back and listen to last week's episode because we had a great guest, Bland Matthews, with Berserker Brew Coffee. Not only does he make a damn good cup of coffee, he's a a hell of a guy uh, and uh, has a good product for you. So check him out at BerserkerBrew.com and uh, Berserker Brew on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And one of the things we were talking about on that uh, podcast was how so many folks fail when it comes to their new year's resolution. Hey, look, it's, it's February 1st as of the uh, recording of this show. And that means that we've had four weeks of 2019 and how you doing, how you doing with your goals, how you doing with your diet and your, uh, your exercise and uh, uh, staying on track with your new healthy lifestyle changes. Look, if you fell off track, don't uh, don't beat yourself up too much over it because habit change is a very tough and nasty business and it's very hard making changes to your life is very very hard especially when you don't have a good roadmap and that's I just wanted to spend a few minutes uh, talking about that before we get into uh, uh, talking to our next guest and um, where most folk go wrong when it comes to something like making lifestyle changes and a new year's resolution in particular is that it's too broad in scope you 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 don't have a laser focused actionable goal that you can go after what do i mean by that well basically uh most folks uh think about a new year's resolution and they say i want to lose some weight or i want to stop eating so much sugar or i want to quit smoking in 2019 that's nothing wrong with those goals they're very good goals to have but you're not specific enough with that so you're kind of setting yourself up for failure in the long run because i want to lose weight is not an actionable goal what is an actionable goal instead is I want to lose 15 pounds by March 31st and I'm gonna do X Y Z to do it I I know you can see the difference in that right one goal is actionable one goal is just it's not even a goal it's a statement okay So, the way 
that I like to tell folks to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success instead of setting yourself up for failure is two things. Number one, understanding why you want to achieve your goal. That's important because the why gets you to the how, when, what, where, and all of those other uh, tangible things that you need to actually accomplish that goal. Understanding the why. And there's actually whys that you might not even know about yet. When you say, I want to lose weight for 2019, why? And you might say something to the effect of, well, I I want to lose weight because... um, I'm tired all the time, I don't have any energy, and my old pants don't fit anymore, and I just want to, I just, I just want to lose weight. Okay, why? (laughs) So when you start really delving into what I, what I call understanding the why underneath your why, what, what big motivating factors do you have that are making you want to make these lifestyle changes. You say, I'm tired all the time and I don't have any energy because I'm fat. Why do you want to make that change? And you might say something to the effect of, well, I want to be able to spend more time with my kids and, uh, you know, or have more energy to, to, to do more things with my, you know, with my husband or my wife, or I want to be, you know, whatever it is. There's always another layer of why. And the more the more pinpoint accuracy you can nail down your goals with whys, the easier it is for you to accomplish them. Because now you've, uh, you've put more emotional effort into understanding why you want to achieve these goals. It gives you a more motivate. It gives you more motivation to actually achieve them. The other thing that you can do, and, and this sounds contrary to every you know guru out there that sells a book and a DVD and a you know or a, a an online course, is two things. The first one I'm going to hit you with is you need to be a, you need to pick small actionable goals instead of large, you know, life encompassing, you know, goals that you may not be able to successfully achieve. Pick small goals first. The reason why they work, you say, I want to lose uh, weight this year. I want to lose a hundred pounds, whatever. It's like, well, damn, man, that's, that's a huge goal to undertake. Let's start with 10 pounds. Okay, I want to lose 10 pounds in the next four months. And this, I'm going to do this, 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 and this to achieve that. And if you can do that one, okay, you achieve that goal. Now you are motivated. You feel good about the fact that you've achieved that goal. Now it's time to take on another goal. Okay, now we're going to say, I want to lose 20 pounds in the next four months. You don't make that goal. That's no big deal. We, you know, you can reassess. But if you just say, "I want to read, I want to lose 100 pounds, or I want to lose 70 pounds this year," and there's no, there's no small steps for you to achieve along the way. Man, you're just setting yourself up for a lot of hurt and a lot of 
disappointment along the way because no matter what, no matter what you're doing, you will lose weight, then you will gain weight. You will lose weight, you will gain weight. That's just the way it works. You're putting on muscle, you're losing body fat. You're putting on muscle, you're losing body fat. You have days where you eat exactly what your body needs. You have days where you eat what your body doesn't need. Okay? That's just part of it. And if you're not seeing the results along the way towards a smaller goal, it can become quite daunting that that task of 70 pounds while well, I've lost I've only lost five pounds I've only lost five pounds I've got 65 more pounds to go instead of saying hot damn I've lost five pounds I only have five more to reach my first goal you see what I'm saying there okay so the other thing that I just I just want to throw out there is you will always achieve more when you have the humility to set the bar low. <laughs> okay? And that, you know, it's tough for people to wrap their brain around that because every book, every time you open Twitter, every time you open Instagram, you see guys like Grant Cardone that are like, 10x, 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 do everything, 10x! Well, look, shit, man, you can't 10x everything. Maybe he can. Most of us can't. And if you properly set that bar low, you will achieve that goal. And achieving that goal feels great. When you achieve that goal and you feel great, you can't wait to take on another goal. That's why I say you got to break up your big goal into small, actionable steps that you can accomplish. Right. So if you want more, you know, info insight into that, go on to uh, Facebook. If you go to Facebook and you look for five day up for it challenge, I have a whole series of what well, they call them units in a private Facebook group. It's like, like, like little lessons. Okay. Little, short little videos. Um, some of them come with a worksheet. And uh, there's tons of information like that. We, we, we just finished a uh, 10 ways to crush your New Year's resolution. We did that first two weeks of the, uh, the new year. That information is up there and fresh, still valid, even though it's February 1st. It doesn't matter when you start working on achieving your goals. It doesn't have to be January 1st. You may have already given up. So what? Start over. Do it again. And keep doing it again until you get it right. That's the way this stuff works. All right, well, Kent, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on with us. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, you know it's my pleasure. And uh, now that I have got the day out of the way and I've got this uh, week out of the way, I'm doing fan free fantastic. <laughs> well, that's 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 commonly the case when you have a couple of days where you can just. Uh, what was the? Um, there was a there was a popular movie in the late '80s that I liked. It was called um, Talk Radio. And there was like the best line in it ever. His boss calls him on his day off and he says, why are you bothering me? Don't you know it's my day off for self-loathing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just stuck with it. I was like, yes, yes. Everybody needs a day of self-loathing everyone every now and then. So, 
Yeah, so if you could just come in on Saturday, then <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. So just just uh, just to let everybody know, uh, you know, uh, I've known how how long have I known you? My God, a, a long Let's time. See, right? So I think the first time we actually met in person was '06 at that uh, Hawks Knife Combative Seminar. Oh yeah, His, yeah. I think uh, specific military knife combative seminar. Military knife combative seminar, yeah. And I, I, I think I took a black belt test that weekend. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of the coolest events I've ever been to. There was probably 40, 40 people there doing knife counter knife combatives. It was really cool. So, but uh, uh, I, I consider you like like a great friend. I don't think a day goes by where we don't text each other or send each other a stupid message <laughs> or fuck with each other in some way. And, and that's really yeah, that's 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 like really important to me. And, um, when I was, when I was first starting to put this podcast together and, th- and think about, you know, people I wanted to talk to, uh, you were like right there at the top of the list because you have so many cool experiences and, you know, we're going to talk about something that you probably have a lot more insight. Kind of, I kind of way I tease this podcast is you probably have more insight into one of the subjects we're going to talk about than, you know, all of the talking head, you know, magazine show goofballs that everybody gets their information from. And, uh, you know, I always like seek out the person who has the real information, not the person who's regurgitating something that they heard from somebody else. And, uh, and uh, I'm really excited to get into that. But I, but I thought for folks who don't know you, so, uh, uh, Combat vet, how many years have you been in the in, in the army? Uh, nineteen. So it'll be it'll be twenty in April, and that's your get out of jail day. No, no. So it may May will be my last. Well, technically May will be my last month, but like, so I joined in ninety eight, but I had a break in service before I joined the guard of almost. That's the Army National Guard. So mm-hmm. uh, almost a year break in service. So my 20 years will actually be in April. Okay. And my last month will be in May. Okay. And that last month is just kind of the. the oh, process. I'm not going. What's, what's that? I'm, uh, I'm not going. I've already talked it over. <laughs> they, they put the drill dates on a weekend that I'd already made plans. So I was just like, yeah, I, I can't do this. I've already made plans. Right, right, right. So, so almost twenty. Your twenty year will be in April, and you've had several deployments. How how many total? Five. Five. Two each to Iraq and Afghanistan, and thankfully different parts of Iraq and Afghanistan, and then one to Jordan back in seventeen. Okay. Now, is that is that typical of someone who's been in 20, 20 years to have that many deployments, or is that? So it's not. It's not typical of the average National Guard soldier. Okay. Um, I haven't talked to a whole lot of, I guess I haven't really talked to that many active duty people who've had more than three. I think most people can't really, physically can't really handle more than three. And -hmm. I don't mean that in a slight, but it can be pretty rough. Well, in, uh, in overall time 
five deployments. How, how, how long is that? Oh man. I think I added it up one time. And so they weren't all year long deployments. Like my first one was like 10 months. And my second one, I tell people a year cause it's just easier to say a year. Right. My second one was 12. Third was like 10. Number four was seven months. That one was really short. Mercifully so. And then last year we were deployed for about nine months. So I don't know. I'd have to bust out the gonculator. I don't feel right. like crunching the numbers in my head right now. But it's it's somewhere between like forty and forty eight months total, I think. Right. So out of twenty out of uh out of twenty years, you know, a couple of you know. Well, and here's the th- so here's the thing, and I always forget this. Like, yeah, that doesn't seem so long, but in the National Guard, you've got a run up to your mm-hmm. deployment. So you've got your mobilization training, and if you're in some of the units I've been in, you've got your pre-mobilization training before you actually go to mobilization, uh, and that adds, you know, in 2011, that added almost like six months to our time. Um, so I wasn't deployed during that time, but I was definitely away from home, not having a good time, uh, eating crappy army food <laughs> and not drinking any beer. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. See, if you joined the air force, you could have had the fine chow, man. This is true, but I really like what I do in the army. Right. Right. I know we've talked about that before. You, you enjoyed being a soldier, but towards the end and now you're kind of, I'm pretty over... out on it. Like yeah. I like being a soldier and I like leading my dudes. Um, but let's, I mean, they're not my dudes anymore. I've already turned everything over cause I turn in my gear next month. Um, and for those listening at home, we haven't uh, talked about what it is I do, but I've been an infantry soldier, uh, my entire time in both active duty and in the national guard. Love and Bravo, three papa. Right, 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 and airborne as well, right? Yeah, that's the papa identifier. That's the papa. That's the uh, one of the lingos I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what 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 I wanted to get to is talking about PTSD and and uh, TBI, traumatic brain injury, and you know I think it I think those are both terms. And correct me if if you think I'm wrong. I think those are bro- both terms that people hear on the news, and they kind of understand what it is, and they kind of have a uh, you know an emotional response to it, or they have they have a certain feeling towards it, but they really don't know what it is. W- would you say that's a fair statement for most folks? Um. I would say since the onset of the Iraq war, we have a better better layman's understanding of what PTSD is. So the diagnosis of PTSD is about 30 years old at this point. So about a generation. Mm -hmm. One generation has grown up with PTSD being in the lexicon. TBI, on the other hand, is very new. That's maybe 10 years old. Maybe just a hair over 10 years old. Um, don't quote me on that, but that's that's my understanding of it. So right. PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. It's in it's in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual under uh, Disorders. 
Um, you can look it up. You can read all about it. It's actually, it's actually a very informative entry. Um, don't go diagnosing anybody because you're not qualified to do that. But it's right. still a very, very uh, informative entry. Um, and then TBI means traumatic brain injury. And that's, you know, we used to think of that as concussion. You know, uh, well, you've done enough. You've taken enough blows to the head. You've been concussed. You've <laughs> I've, been I've, taken, I've taken too many. Yeah. <laughs> I don't See, do it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've taken plenty of blows to the head. I've been knocked out on my feet before. Um, and that's, that's an example, classic example of traumatic brain injury. Um, and I'm not saying that those people who, I'm not saying the people who get hit in the head for a living are going to develop um, a disorder or that they're going to show shines of injury because I'm not qualified to make that statement. But, you know, just like Hawk says, anytime your uh, brain splashes around inside your melon, you're doing damage to it and that oh. damage can easily be cumulative oh absolutely absolutely i i i can i i i can tell and i only fought a couple of times but i had so many gym wars with training with improper equipment mm. i can i can tell like there there are certain dexterity and now you know i could attribute it to being old right getting older but like, like, uh, I don't know, like, like, like finger dexterity and things like that, mm. that I, 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 I see a difference over the so years. That's one of the things that my dad is struggling with. And again, for those listening at home, my dad had a stroke, rather severe stroke last July. Right. Um, so he's struggling to regain that fine motor control and that's. One area that I haven't uh, struggled with, mm -hmm. but here's now here's the kicker, and I just want to be clear is that so I, I told people and I told the guy, um, he's a I don't want to quote what he does, but he, he does a lot of stuff with brains. Let's just right. start go there. Um, I can't remember his exact title, but I was involved in, this is going to kind of lead us into point number two. I was involved in somewhere between three and seven IED strikes. And part of it is it was so long ago that I just can't quite remember exactly how many it was. And, you know, part of it is the trauma of war that I can't, it's, it's all very fuzzy. Those right. things. And, not only the IED strikes, um, and I'm talking about either directly underneath my Bradley. Uh, you know, I felt I felt my Bradley jump. Wow. Uh, and it felt like hitting a speed bump. So I really, it was my first IED inside of a Bradley. So I didn't know what happened at first. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in, a, in 03, when I was in Afghanistan, we didn't ride around in uh, armored vehicles. We didn't, we only had... Uh, a company's worth of armored vehicles, so maybe 16 or 18 armored Humvees. Uh, so the rest of us rode around in regular old uh, 1980s style Humvees, open doors, open back. Nothing. Yeah, that's not that's not exactly the safest vehicle to be in in that situation. Nope. So my first I my first ever IED strike was probably um, maybe 10 meters in front of me. 
and it was just on the side of the road. And it, the, these things I can remember because they were so they're so imprinted in my memory. It was right on the side of the right. road. It was a little poof, nothing, nothing like what you see on the news. Yeah, the IED was in in Afghanistan and Iraq were both kind of in their infancy. So Al Qaeda and all of the assorted bad guys in Iraq didn't really know what they were doing yet. Okay. So uh, it was just a little poof. I heard it go boom, and I was like, "Oh!" I remember thinking, "Man, the mortars! The mortars just launched a short round and didn't even have the courtesy to let anybody know." Right. A short round means that it didn't go to their target; it fell far short. Mm-hmm. And then the truck commander started yelling IED, IED, and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, fancy that. And uh, so I remember, you know, I was ex- I was expecting the bullets to start flying, but it was nothing. You know, we just, right. uh, no, no further effects on target. We just zoomed through that area and uh, got, up, got the hell out of there. Right. Um, so that was my first one. And then my second one was in a, an LMTV. Similar to the the old deuce and a half, again mm-hmm. no armor, no nothing, and that one w- went up right in front of the truck, uh, less than five meters in front of the truck, if I remember right. And I remember it being loud. I remember getting showered with gravel, and a couple of the guys couldn't hear after that for a little while. They had just had a, a ringing in their ear. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, it was pretty loud. And same mm-hmm. thing though. I looked. I was looking down my sights. And I was just expecting the bullets just to start any second. Right. Um, and we, for that one, we thought we saw a trigger man. So we went looking for him, but he was gone. You know, he ain't got no gear on. He ain't right. carrying a rifle. So he just uh, lit out of there. He can, yeah, he can, he can move pretty quickly. Oh, he was gone. As soon as he hit the trigger, you know, he was out of there. Plus he knows the terrain. He knows where to yeah. go hide. All that stuff. Yeah. He, yeah. He had the advantage on no no casualties on either of those IED strikes. I should note, um, but after that it gets a little bit hazy. You know, I remember the one in the Bradley. I know we took more than that in the Bradley. I just I don't remember all of them. But here's the thing that they're now finding out is it's just not not just the IEDs. Um, it's almost any kind of explosion that you're close to because that shock wave it travels. Uh, when it compresses things, those things act similar to a liquid. This is a very layman's explanation. Mm -hmm. And it goes right through the liquid in your body, including the liquid in your brain. So that shockwave is transmitted to your brain. So it's it's basically what we talk about. And, you know, within boxing, kickboxing, self-defense, it's in a way it's creating brain splash. Yep. And it's how you knock people out. Yeah, the brain is not moving, but it's still splashing around. Right, and this is this is actually research that dates back to uh, World War One, where they started noticing, and that they were I think they were actually dissecting brains at that point, and mm. looking for abnormalities and stuff. Um, but yeah, and even the gunfire uh, creates that same brain splash. So, in addition to the IED strikes I've been in, you know, I've been. Less than 50 meters from 107 millimeter rockets, um, from 82 millimeter mortars. Oh man, I watched, you know, I thought I watched somebody disappear in a cloud of smoke because uh, I watched them go out the door, and as soon as they went out the door, a mortar landed, and wow. I thought they were a goner. 
fortunately, they were not. They were able to take cover. They had gotten to the conics they were going to. This was a, it was a surprise attack. It wasn't like in the middle of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely, I mean, that one left an impression on me. I can uh, imagine. So, how yeah. close were you to that one? That was less than twenty-five meters. It was like I was at the Chow Hall, and the the Connex with all the food in it was wasn't more than fifty meters away, and it was right in the middle of us. Wow. Mm. So yeah, it was buck wild. That was back in 05. So when it comes to the brain injury, you, you don't have an exact. You know, there, there's no diagnosis of I when you actually a, a got injured. It's it could be just an accumulation of many smaller injuries. So I don't have any kind of diagnosis of TBI right now. Okay. Um, I it's like you said earlier. I feel something mm-hmm. that the elevator is not going all the way to the top. Right. But I don't have a diagnosis. So. Uh, and it's one of the things I need to get back with the VA and talk my doc to my doctor about, of like, hey, you know, elevator's not going all the way to the top. I'm definitely a few bricks short of a fruit salad right now. <laughs> now, for for other folks who've never dealt with the uh, the bureaucracy of uh-huh. all of that, what is it? What is required for it? Because you know, the impression that everyone has is, oh, you, you, if you have something wrong with you, you just go to the VA and they take care of it. It's like free medical and all this. But it's it's actually, it's it's kind of a, a pain in the ass, is it not? Um, it is. So I've been pretty fortunate. The VA here in Columbus, Ohio is, they've been pretty great to me. You know, they're not without their snafus. And, right. you know, I've made my own mistakes. Um, but they've been pretty good to me. The VA in Michigan is totally different story. And mm-hmm. uh, my dad's fight been fighting with them. They're supposed to be, you know, providing him coverage. That's supposed to be his health health insurance, and it's been an uphill battle to get treatment for him. Um, and actually, it's been that way for. So my dad was medically retired, medically discharged from the Navy, um, for. He tore his ACL, and then, if I remember the story correctly, the Navy operated on the wrong knee. Oh God! Watched the surgery. Um. So yeah, he you know, he's all oh, he's been fighting with them for close to forty years at this point. That's the kind of stories you read, and you go, "There's no way that's true." How could how could somebody? You know, cut the wrong hand off or dice, you know, you know, how could somebody remove the wrong kidney? You know, it's like this is the thing. So now if you go into hospitals or especially VA hospitals, you know, they have a whole patient confirmation, you know, and they ask you your birth date, your name, your social confirm with you the medical procedure they're about to do. Um, And that was actually my fear uh, because I had hernia surgery three years ago now. Um, that was actually my thing is like, geez, I hope they don't just take my kidney out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wake up in a, a bathtub full of ice. <laughs> yeah. But you know, they, yeah, even, you know, the doctor came in and before he start, before they started the anesthetic, he's like, Hey, who are you? What's your birth date? What are we here to do? Um, so not that they removed all human error, but they're definitely working on removing a lot of human error. 
Well, that's good. I, I know that they've been trying to, you know, uh, make things more streamlined and better. The VA, uh, I, yeah, I don't. They're they're they are working at it. You know, they have a new process. It's called oh decision ready claim, and I can't remember exactly what it entails, but. Basically, if you have like all of your evidence and it's like strong, compelling evidence, you can get a decision on your disability and compensation claim within 30 days. Well, that's not bad at all. No, at least it doesn't sound bad. You know, if you're disabled to the point, you know, 70%, 100%, you can't work, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to need that toot sweet. Well, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Definitely. And again, for the listeners at home, I do, I have a diagnosis of PTSD. I have a couple other things in my file, physical things, knees, back, shoulder, I think, feet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a disability rating of 50% from the VA. Excuse me, that took about five, six years for that to get back to me. Well, it only took 20 for you to get all those stuff problems. <laughs> Actually, well, since I filed that claim back in 2010, it only took uh, 12 years to get all those problems. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I've got to update go. that claim. <laughs> right on. So, yeah, I guess anybody, any airborne, uh, anybody who's uh, airborne has bad knees, right? Um, You know, that's the prevailing wisdom. I... So I have mild arthritis, but it's nothing that's, it's not crippling. Right. Uh, I wake up some days and I'm like, oh man, feeling a little rough here. Uh, but I generally find that if I go bang out some, some squats, 350 pounds, there are 300 pounds or more, uh, my knees feel a lot better. Hey, I think squats are the uh, the granddaddy of all exercises. I was I was talking to my wife the other day. She was like, "Well, what can I do?" You know, she's wanting to start getting back in shape. She's like, "Well, what can I do? What should I be doing?" It's like squat, squat, Just squat. Just squat. It's like if if you if your if your shoulders are weak, squat. If your uh, if your back is weak, squat. Got a, got a weak grip, squat. <laughs> That's a little extreme, but oh, you know, you're like, gripping that bar, man. <laughs> oh, I don't gra- see. I don't grab the bar when I squat. You don't grab the bar. Are you are you a, are you a weight holder? Do you stretch your arms way out? Oh I no, some- I just I just put it on my shoulders. Right now, I'm only doing high. Well, even when I do, if if I do low bar, I'm not mm-hmm. going to grab the bar. I just I put my hands on it to mm-hmm. get my hand width, and I don't actually grab it much. Oh, I squeeze the shit out of it. I try to I I try to tear it in half. Huh. I don't know why, but I do. I don't know. But anyway, so um, back to the PTSD thing. I know that you recently, you, you spent some time in Alaska. Would you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So, and talking about the PTSD, so it's, uh, um, again, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, First of all, Kent, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but for someone... Can you can you kind of explain because that's something else we we hardly don't hear on the news. What does it mean to have PTSD? What what are some what are your you know are what's the symptoms like? What how do you feel? How do you you know are do you have days where you can like like you said with your arthritis? Some days you wake up and your knees are bad. Some days you wake up and you feel fine. Is it kind of the same thing or you know kind of kind of elaborate on that a little bit? It is kind of the same thing. So. And so my diagnosis was 
PTSD and depression, and they have a lot of the same symptoms, and a lot of times you'll find them kind of, I don't know if this is an actual word, a co-diagnosis. But, so again, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So the first thing there is post. So it's after the event, Mm -hmm. and one of the... uh, um, one of the diagnostic criteria is that it's been continuing for six months or more after a, tr- and the, the se- second part there is traumatic, after a traumatic t- event. Okay. And a traumatic event is defined, and this is my, this is just going from memory, as um, having witnessed somebody in a basically in an in extreme injury or death or having been in a situation where you were close to extreme injury or death or you experienced a situation where you had an extreme extreme injury. Okay. Those are, uh, yeah, that's kind of a loose definition, again, from memory. Well, it uh, sounds and- like that would be something pretty hard to avoid in a war zone. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and here's the thing is like, you know, if a mortar, cause they, you know, they used to mortar us just, just randomly and sometimes not so randomly, you know, we got a call one time to go set up and watch this uh, point of origin site. Cause these guys were setting up every day at chow time and lobbing mortars at the chow hall. Um, okay. so, you know, if you're. Mortars are scary. <laughs> Indirect fire is scary. So, you know, it can only take one mortar round. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it can only take uh, one rifle round zipping past your head um, to be a traumatic event. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. So... Now let's, let's, let's talk about that Alaska experience because you were really excited, you know, you were really excited about it when you came back and, you know, if you, if you want to talk about that, maybe even give them a plug, maybe there's somebody listening that could benefit from that. So, um, yeah, I'll be happy to. So the, so back before I get there, so back to the PTSD thing. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we talked about it's post, so it's six months, you know, continuing for six months after the traumatic event. Um, and it's stress so it's basically interrupting your normal life so you've got hypervigilance where you're constantly watchful on guard and mm-hmm. for an example uh right after i left the army in 06 i would carry my pistol everywhere around my apartment and i would sleep with it underneath my pillow and i would sleep with my shotgun next to my pillow uh, mm-hmm. all fully loaded um, and sometimes I would go out to my truck at night with my pistol uh, tucked inside my pants. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the one of the criteria is um, uneasy. I think uneasy in large crowds, um, difficulty sleeping, flashbacks, having um, uh, having memories, disturbing memories of the event avoidance where you avoid um, anything that might remind you of the event and i'm sure there's one more 
But again, if if anybody who's interested wants goes, you can look it up in the. It's called the DSM dash five, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual dash five. Um, pretty sure that's the latest version. It'll tell you everything you want to know about it. Better than okay. I right now. So you had that lapse from what was it, two thousand six to two thousand seven? That lapse of service. That's correct. Now, that's did, where my diagnosis occurred. Was in two thousand six. Okay. Now, did that lapse? So you just decided I don't want to do this anymore because of the the PTSD, or was it already something that you had planned? Or it had been something I had planned. Um, mm-hmm. So I my contract expired in April of '06, and I was just I got back from Iraq, pretty banged up physically, pretty banged up mentally, and I was just like, and. Honestly, more than a little bit heartbroken by everything that went on over there. And I was just like, well, not more than a little bit heartbroken. I was heartbroken. Some of the things we experienced over there and some of the some of our government's responses left me heartbroken. And so I just I just had enough at that point. Okay. Um, so the reason I got back in is I was just kind of kicking around my apartment and I was just like, eh. Kind of miss this. There's a National Guard company right here. How bad could it be? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> that's you know in a movie that's called foreshadowing. Yeah. I don't know if you're yeah okay. So well, it wasn't all bad, but there's definitely been uh, my share of headaches. Right. Uh, but yeah, I went down. I went down to the recruiter told them what I wanted, and they must have thought they hit the jackpot. They had oh, me it, Yeah, here's a combat vet who wants to come back in and, yeah. you know, work with work with troops and uh, do some tra- and train them. Yeah, they must have, yeah, they hit the lottery that day, huh? Yep, I hit the lottery too because I got a $20,000 bonus. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Yeah, so Georgia National Guard was pretty good too. I, I enjoyed my time there. Uh, you said Georgia. Yep. So shout out to the first of the one twenty first. So so you've done uh, Michigan, uh, Georgia, and you've been uh, in the guard in Ohio now, right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. So the one one twenty first, first of the one twenty first, might have been second of the one twenty first. I can't quite remember. One the one twenty fifth infantry, four two five Willers Company. They're they've been disbanded. And the one two six cavalry. We won't talk about that because they're cavalry. <laughs> okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, now I'm in the first of the one four eight infantry, uh, which is easily the best guard unit that I've been in so far. Right on. Right on. Now it's starting to get time for you to to uh, get out. Are you? Are you? I know you're ready. You know we've talked about that. Are there people you're going to miss, though, do you think? Yeah, but, you know, I'm finding the great thing about the Guard, especially the great thing about living in Ohio and being in the Ohio National Guard, is that they're around. You know, I hung out with my assistant team leader a couple months ago, um, and a couple of the other guys that were in my squad on my last deployment, they're right here around in Columbus. So, you know, I can get in touch with them and uh talk you know we can meet up for beers shoot the breeze um and i think the key there is that 
you know, I always treated my people like they were people. So <laughs> they're probably going to be willing to do that, more willing to do that. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I, I apologize earlier. I, I tried to steer you into that Alaska thing and you yeah, weren't no going with your PTSD thing, but let's, let's get to that now. Let's, let's, right, let's so, talk about that Alaska thing. So the Alaska thing. So long, bit of a long story. So back in 10, my, yeah, I would say my symptoms were kind of just about at their height. Um, as far as avoidance and, and all that, all that kind of stuff, all those symptoms. And I was, um, I was actually in Iraq in 2010 and I was not exactly desperate, but I was just like, you know, I, I need some help. What the VA has for me isn't working. And I was seeing a social worker and I was seeing a psychologist at the VA, but it wasn't, wasn't getting it. Um, and, uh, so I, I reconnected with an old friend and I had noticed you know, when we knew each other when I was in Alaska, um, I don't want to tell too much of her story here. Uh, suffice it to say that um, she had experienced her own traumatic event. Okay. And so when we reconnected, uh, I could tell that there was definitely something different about her. That she'd definitely gone through some healing of her own. And so I was like, okay, you know, what did, what did you do? Where'd you go? How'd you do it? And she sent me to, uh, the, she sent me to the website first mm -hmm. and it's for anybody listening at home. The website is www.whiteravencenter.org. That's a cool name. It's a cool place, man. Uh, so, and if you go there, um, I think my testimonial is still up there. Probably should be updated because I think that's about six years old at this point. <laughs> um, there's there's a few testimonials from a few of us that are up there on the website, and I have a a little blurb. I think like one minute or minute and a half blurb with them that I recorded last summer. Anyway, so long story short, I didn't really know what to expect. Tried to talk to her about it. She couldn't really explain it. So I get up there. And it's like I tell people, I am a paratrooper, so I knew what I wanted, and I just jumped in. It's um, <laughs> a good analogy. Yeah, that's pretty much how I go about things. If I <laughs> if I know, and my friends will all say the same, is like if you decide on it, you just go. <laughs> just um, you 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 swoop out of the sky and you land on things hard. Yeah, very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I uh, as soon as I got back from Iraq, I'd already booked the trip. I got my flight, got my hotel. And the, so the interesting thing is I didn't plan it this way, but I got a hotel for one week for a two week stay. And I really didn't know what I was going to do for my second week. But so they have a, they have a week, they call it a, an intensive or a workshop and it's a weekend long. So typically everybody gets there about five or six in the evening on Friday. Then we wrap up on Five, at five or six in the evening on Sunday. So you're you're not locked in per se, but the idea is to have everybody stay there. Um, and sometimes people go off in twosies and threesies for walks. Mm -hmm. And But for the most part, everybody stays right there, and it's a house. Um, it's a nice house. Plenty of, uh, plenty of space, um, and you might have 20 or 30 people crammed in this house 
wow. so it gets gets pretty cozy, gets pretty intimate. Um, and I think that first one that I went to back in 2010, there was like 12 or 15 of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I didn't know what to expect. I really, I was, I did my first session the day before the workshop. And again, I didn't know what to expect. So it's, I describe it as a kind of a hypnosis. And forgive me, Marianne, forgive me, Floyd, if this is not how you describe it. For me, it's kind of a hypnosis to where they they re- kind of regress you to the point at which you're stuck. And I think we I think we've all experienced if you've ever experienced a stuck point to where you just keep coming back to an event in your life, and you're like, man. And every time you think of it, you're just like, man, I wish, man, that just gets me. I every just time wish I, I could think, get rid of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're typically. You're you're on lying on a mat, lying supine on a mat, facing up with a blindfold. You've got a blanket. You know, always try to make sure that you're comfortable. You've got something underneath your your knees, and uh, we start. It's a it starts with breathing exercises, just in through the nose, out through the mouth, deep breathing, and that helps you to kind of release control over your mind. And let your mind go where it needs to go or let your heart go where it needs to go, depending. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that first time, you know, I went back to an event in um, Iraq. And actually, the funny thing about this is I wasn't even present for this event. And so, again, for all of our listeners, uh, you can look up Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cash. That's A-L-W-Y-N Cash C A. S H E. Um, and he was in my company when I was in Iraq in 05 and his Bradley, uh, basically everybody in his Bradley burned to death because they got hit with napalm and he was, he was covered in napalm and he was covered in diesel fuel and he was burning to death as he was pulling them out of the Bradley. Wow. And th- this all happened while I was on leave, but it was something that, it was so powerful, and I knew some of those guys that had burned to death. It just stuck with me, and it created one of those stuck points. Um, so that was my first session. It's going back to that and clearing basically survivor's guilt. Right, because you weren't there, huh? I wasn't there, and I didn't. You know, I lived, and that's one of those things I, you know, um, I don't know how to describe it exactly. I need another beer. My throat's getting dry. <laughs> I, I just got done teaching two classes and the, the gym's loud i gotta talk loud oh, man. if i can talk tomorrow i'm gonna be happy Take so yeah time. so that was my that was my first private session and then the workshop was more basically more of the same but you've got more people around you for that first session it was just me and floyd and Floyd's an old uh, Vietnam vet. I think he's in his 70s. That would be about right. My dad's in his 70s. He was in Vietnam. so Yeah, I think Floyd said he was over there in 68. And mm-hmm. he, uh, Floyd's also a, he's a native Alaskan. I can't remember what tribe he belongs to. I can't remember his, uh, his identity. Sorry, Floyd. Um. Yeah, I apologize, guys. I can never keep that stuff straight. Um, so anyway, 
uh, he's really good at dealing with a lot of military stuff. And we've had a lot of good conversa- conversations about that. Um, so, yeah, that was my that was basically my first workshop. It was it was actually a little bit crazy. It was more intense. And I'm being deliberately vague. You part of the deal of the workshop is you volu- you swear that you won't re- reveal anybody's story. Um, so I'm being deliberately vague because I've obviously sworn an oath. I won't right. reveal anybody else's story. um but yeah so after that first workshop um it was for me did you know right away you knew right away that this is what you were looking for oh yeah yeah as soon as she sent me to the website i was like yep that's it click i emailed i signed up i booked my flight i booked my hotel yeah immediately wow and how, how long were you there total so I was there for two weeks. And the, so the funny part about that is, you know, I knew that I was going to be staying in there, staying there for the weekend. Didn't have any plans after that. I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't even care. Uh, and so my friend was like, well, you don't have any other plans. You don't have a hotel. You don't have, why don't you just stay here at the house? And I was like, wait, is that an option? Nobody said that was an option. And then, you know, Marianne and Floyd were like, yeah, oh, great. We'd love to have you here. So, yeah, I just uh, serendipitous stayed there at the at the healing house for the rest of the time. Oh, that's awesome that they would take you in like that. Yeah, it was great. And that that so they don't live there anymore. And that's their kind of their business residence or business area office. Right. I don't know what you want to call it. They have a separate house now. But, yeah, back in 2010, it was Marianne, Floyd. Uh, their youngest son, Kayan, and they all live there, and I just stayed in the guest bedroom. That's awesome. They all kind of have uh, roles that they uh, they do there at the uh, at the center. So not Kayan so much. I think um, I don't I don't know what Kayan's participation ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so Marianne is kind of the lead. The lead, I want to say the lead facilitator, Marianne, please don't scalp me if I get this wrong. <laughs> um, but and Marianne is definitely the mother hen. Uh, and if you've ever been mother hen, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, <laughs> and she's also the mama bear. Right. Which I really appreciate. Uh, and she's really like Floyd's Floyd's a really laid back dude. And I really like that about him. And Marianne's laid back too. But when she says it's time to do something, that means it's time to do something. Right. Um, And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I I appreciate that about her too. Let me ask you this, Kent. When when it comes to the other treatment that you received from, you know, the the VA or, you know, what what the government is doing for soldiers, what, what is it that was so different that it just clicked. Um, was it the atmosphere? Was it just kind of like, it it, was part of it was the atmosphere. I love Alaska. Um, It is a beautiful place. I think everybody should visit it once in their lifetime. Don't just stay in Anchorage, go to Fairbanks, go to Juneau. If you can go to Nome, if you can Mm -hmm. go 
deep in the bush if that's what you can do. Uh, Alaska is an amazing place. Um, but it was, it was some sort of intangible of talking about emotions and healing those emotions and moving emotional energy. And I didn't even know what any of that meant at that point in time. Uh, but I was just like, you know what? I know at a, at an instinctual level, I knew that I had a whole lot of bottled up stuff mm -hmm. and that I did not want to carry that around anymore. Um, well, that's, so that's, that's basically what took me there. Well, that's awesome. I, I wonder if in the near future, we're going to start seeing, you know, the VA and the government start working towards this type of treatment. If, if, you know, I, I don't know how to turn them on to that. I'm, I'm sure there are certain people in the, uh, in the government that know about this type of, uh, treatment. So along those lines, I actually, I read several years ago and I meant to go try and go check it out. I never got around to it, but the mm -hmm. VA had a sweat lodge. I want to say down how, in Utah. How interesting. Yes. Very interesting. And, and again, so what, uh, the White Raven Center does is very centered around Native Alaskan spirituality as well as uh, Native American First Nations people spirituality. And Floyd, um, one of the great things about him is he, he has a lot of that uh, Native knowledge and wisdom um, that he brings into the practice. And I know some of you guys, some of you guys hear this, you're going to roll your eyes a little bit and you know, call me a hippie or call them all hippies. And that's fine because at one point in time, we almost literally did sit in a circle and sing Kumbaya. Um, and I'm okay with it because it was a very, it was a very healing circle. Uh, so I have no regrets. Hey, if you get something out of it, mm. then who's to say, you know, and, and the thing is it might not be for everybody. And that's and that's the thing. So the 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 therapy is quite intense. Um, I would actually, I, I mean, it's very it's very intense. It's right in the name. Um, well, it's right in the name of the workshop. You know, the the workshop intensive. And there's right. there's emotional. Shoot, I can't remember the name. So Marianne's book. I'm gonna look it up real quick on the internet's. She has a book. I have a copy and I'm going to plug it here for her awesome. because uh, I think it's well worth reading. And while you're doing that, I'm going to get a beer because you know what? It's my eat like shit day and I can have beer. <laughs> so it's actually the start of cutting season for me, but. Oh, that's right. You were bulking, huh? Yep. So you're drinking light beer then, right? Yeah, super light. <laughs> I once uh I once had an old timer tell me that um uh, drinking light beer was uh the equivalent of making love in a canoe. Yes, it's fucking close to water. I knew you would get that one. God, I, I you like you complete me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Marianne's book is called Rapid Transformation Therapy. Oh, excuse me. Speaking of <laughs> and it is available in paperback on the Amazon. It's about $18. And Rapid transfer. What was it again? Rapid? Rapid. Rapid 
Transformation Therapy by Marianne Rowland. He almost said rampant, and I'm, I'm sure that could be <laughs> intensive therapy as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that used to be... Yeah, and again, the, the name of the place is the White Raven Center, whiteravencenter.org. It's, it's pretty intense, um, but if you can... If you need healing, and it doesn't, here's the thing, is it doesn't have to be PTSD. You don't have to feel like you have PTSD. If you feel like you have an event that you need to heal from, something that happened in your life, even if you're not sure what it is, I recommend that you email these people, talk to them, and uh, figure it out. Figure it out. That's our, uh, that's our uh, letter, that's Kenny. It. Plug uh, letter Kitty, uh, thing of the night. So, thanks, Wayne. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so last summer I was up there, and so originally I had uh, been only been planning on being up there for two months or not two months, I'd only been planning on being up there for a week. I did a week in January, it was pretty good, and I was only going to do a week last summer, and then. Um, I was going, I was going through therapy at the VA, but it wasn't, it w- it was helping, but it wasn't reaching, it wasn't helping me reach the point that I felt like I needed to reach. And, um, and it was good. You know, I, I, you know, I did, I got some healing out of it. I'm recognized some stuck points that I have. Um, but again, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't keeping up with all the stresses that were piling on in my life. And, you know, I was, I was fresh off my fifth deployment. Um, and the, everything just kind of piled up on the fifth one. Uh, I was back to work. I was working 40 and 50 hours a week. Uh, and 10-hour days. So there was just no decompression time to go there, from... There, there were, well, so I took a, I took a couple months between when I got back from the deployment and when I went back to work, but it just didn't. I didn't. I didn't get anything done. I didn't get anything accomplished for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my depression and my PTSD just started spiraling. Um, and I was like, well, I got I got to do something. I spent most. I spent a good portion of last year just wishing that I was dead. And not to say that I was suicidal. I just was like, I don't really want to be alive right now. And if somebody could just put a bullet in me, that'd be great. I've 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 been there from diff for different reasons. I know you and I we've we've chit chatted about the uh, you know my health problems, and I I felt so bad and was so depressed about it that you know I remember telling my wife, look, you don't have to worry. I'm not suicidal. Right. But if I don't wake up in the morning. That's okay. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah, Basically. And I'm not going to say I didn't have suicidal thoughts, but I didn't have suicidal ideation. Right. And I I think that's a big thing that we should talk about. I mean, as a society, not just you and me, but as a society, like I am pretty sure almost everybody at some point in their life has thought about putting their firearm of choice in their mouth and pulling the trigger. Or failing that, standing in front of a train and just letting them have at it. I think it's more people than it would care to admit it. Yeah, and and that's and that's the key right there. More than would care to admit it. There, it's it's in in my opinion, in my experience, everything that I've seen, um, suicidal thoughts are endemic to human nature. 
And that is not something that should be thought of as shameful. And to go a step further, I don't believe that suicide is quitting. And some people like to say, well, they're just a quitter. And I don't see it that way. Uh, I believe that people who kill themselves have not, could not figure out any other way to deal with the pain that they're in. Their lives have become some become so painful they saw no other solution than end their life permanently. Yeah. And the other the other stupid argument is that it's selfish. Right. And to that I'm like, you, you, you don't you don't know. You, you can't you have... say that until you've spent time in that yeah. In that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So well. yeah, so I spent two months up there in Alaska and um I was pretty much doing doing the work. That's kind of what that's that's kind of our jargon, I guess, doing the work. I had private sessions just about every day. Um and some of my sessions were really deep and I would scream and well mostly I just cried. Yeah. <laughs> I and what I one of the one of the key things I discovered for myself while I was up there because I had felt like I was carrying around so much anger and so much rage. And it boiled over uh, at one point in an online argument with somebody. And the thing is, I look back on it now, and it was so ridiculous. Like, I, like my opinions haven't changed, but I'm not going to spout them so vehemently, so poisonously, venomously, right. if you will. Like I did. And I, the thing is, is that I couldn't stop myself. It was like I was an observer and I couldn't stop myself from typing stuff out on the keyboard because I was just so caught up in the rage that I was feeling. Yeah. And I, that is, uh, I, I think there's more people on the internet doing that <laughs> than there yeah. are people not doing it on the internet. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I, and my, one of my friends posted a great, quote while I was up there she posted it on Facebook and it said it was something in the effect of I've been feeling so much rage but then I scratched its surface and I found it was grief oh wow that's deep very deep and that was something that still rings true very true for me by the time I got to Alaska last year um well, the most recent person who died was one of my good buddies from when I was up in when I was stationed in Alaska. And I should I should point out for the folks again listening at home, I was in the 501st Parachute Infantry Regiment. That was my first deployment to Afghanistan, and that was stationed right there by Anchorage, Alaska. So that's how I came to know know all these people. Um, but yeah, he died of cancer in November of 2017. Mm. and um he was a really good buddy we had a lot of good times together uh drank a lot of beer together got in a couple fights together <laughs> sounds like a hell of a guy <laughs> did other dumb stuff together <laughs> he was a really good he was a really good buddy and you know i'd wanted to reconnect with him for a long time but um i didn't i never got the chance i just woke up and found out he was dead and i was just like oh and I, I was doing my my demobilization, excuse me, because I was fresh back from uh, my deployment, so I was stuck in Fort Bliss, demobilizing, 
I couldn't get away to go to his funeral or anything. Oh wow! So that's that, drag. Yeah, that that hurt quite a bit. Um, and you know, I while I was on deployment, I think mobilization and deployment. I think two more of my buddies that I'd served with killed themselves. Um, it's been actually, I would say it's been probably about two a year. Wow. For the past five or six years. So that, that just, all of that just kept piling up on the, uh, just the other stuff. Yeah. All, all, all that stuff. That's that was part of the stress and all the deployment stuff, but mostly the grief, um, Mm -hmm. just carrying around all that grief when, and just looking for somebody to blame. Um, yeah. And of course, there is nobody to blame. Yeah, right. It's like you know, walking around in a round room looking for a corner. Yeah, and there's a. Well, I don't need to get into that right now. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so they they and that that was like, and I was looking for like a big breakthrough, not like hunting it, but looking for a breakthrough. And I I just sat there one day, I was sitting on the mat. You know, normal position, got the blanket on me, got the blindfold on. And I was just like, you know what? I need to hit something, but I'm not trying to hit something out of anger. And I, I and I, I just, and this is a great thing is like, you can kind of take control. I don't want to say take control, but you work with the facilitator to guide your process mm-hmm. um, to get you what you need in order to express your emotions. Now you've basically either been repressing or just been holding on to. Um, and we, you know, we kind of talked it out and I said, you know what, I think I need a drum. And he brought me one of the drums. They've got several, uh, I don't know what kind of skin they are, but they're native style drums hanging up on the walls. He brought me a drum and he brought me the drumstick and I started just beating the rhythm and as soon as I started doing that you know I, I started bawling and I must have bawled for about 45 minutes or so wow. um, and just excuse me all of that grief just came pouring out in that time and it was <laughs> it was actually kind of exhausting sounds uh, like it yeah it was probably one of my deepest one of my deepest processes ever but I you know, I felt so good about that. I felt so light afterwards. Like I was just going to ask you, you know, you hear people saying that a, a weight has been lifted off of them. And, you know, how, how, how did, how do you describe that? You know, so, this sounds like kind of like that kind of a pro- in the process there. So my, I, I think mm-hmm. the term emotional baggage is a very descriptive term. Um, and it was emotional baggage and it was, you know, almost 20 years worth of emotional baggage that I was, that I was carrying with me. And to think about all the stuff that you pick up over the course of, think about all the stuff you pick up over the course of just one year. Never, if you never put any of it down, how much are you carrying at that point? Yeah. And then over the course of almost 20 years, you know, two high stretch situations, you know, you pick, you pick up so much more stuff you and you know if you're somebody like me who's in charge of people you take more on more and more and more but realistically mentally and physically there's only so much you can carry before you start to break down yeah and so that was that was a huge release and probably one of the biggest releases of my life um, 
That's so awesome. I'm I'm so happy for you, dude. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, just man. just 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 hearing you talk about it, I can I can tell how passionate you are about uh, spreading the word and let other people know. Absolutely, about, that's, uh, you know anybody anybody I've ever talked to who says they're going through a tough time, and I'm just like, hey, you know, this might not be an option right now, but maybe it is, and I point them in that direction because that's, yeah. that's helped me so much. Yeah. There's an app for that. <laughs> Not exactly, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, if you think about your 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 mind, your your brain being a computer, and your your thoughts being software, it's it. I mean, it kind of. So that yeah. and that's so that's a great great talking point because I was at a convention, and this is the convention was really what convinced me. Like maybe a week is not enough, and I was right. at a science fiction convention last. May. Maybe it was June. Anyway, yeah, it was June. I remember now. And uh, seeing catching up with some old friends and um, people I hadn't seen in about 10 years or so. And they were like, yeah, hey, it's great to see you. You know, you look really good. You know, I've been really worried about you. Is everything okay? And I was like, eh, it's okay-ish. And enough people asked me that, and I enough people knew me from way before and to now. And I was just like, I got to do something about this. I, yeah. When, when people are asking you about it, it's like, maybe I have a, maybe I have an issue. So, but that, well, I already knew I had the issue, but I was like, maybe it's greater than I've been admitting to myself. Right. There was a, there was a guy, um, his, his name on Facebook is completely different from his given name. I only remember him as Dr. Nick. But anyway, so there were there was a there was a panel at this convention. A lot of military people go to this convention. Um current and prior. Uh and it's call for anybody who's interested, it's already sold out, so you're hosed for this year. Good luck for next <laughs> year. Uh it's called Liberty Con. It's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, oh, I've heard of it. Time. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, you've probably heard of it from me. Probably. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of small. There's only 750 attendees. Uh, but anyway, so there was a panel on PTSD and TBI. And one of the panelists was a, I believe he's a, don't hate me for this, Nick. I believe he's a psychologist. And one of the things he pointed out is like, you know, the thing about PTSD and depression is that they're chemical pathways in your brain and you can rewire those chemical pathways. And that was something that really hit me in a good way of like, you know, maybe there's not a quote unquote cure, but there is a oh, workaround or whatever. Treatment. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's something that I've hung on to ever since then. I'm just like, you know, like, especially, I mean, we all get caught in the negative rut. So that's something that I've just been, kind of keeping in the back of my mind is like hey the more you do good things for yourself the more you're going to reprogram your brain to do good things that's an awesome statement bro that's an (laughs) awesome statement that you know kind of segueing because i mean i knew this would happen i was like I was like, I ah, will go for like 35, 45 minutes and we'll go. But we're, we're at like an, an hour and 15 minutes already. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so, an hour and a half. Yeah. So, so look, uh, I, I don't want to like sweep that away. And if we have to, I, I already know I'm going to have you back on 
many more times. But <laughs> I good. did want to switch gears because you got other things going on. Um, you are a CrossFit. Uh, it, what what do you call it? Is it a CrossFit trainer, CrossFit coach? What what is the designation? Because I know there's multiple. Okay, there's something that I'm legally supposed to say according to CrossFit Inc. Okay. Um, and I can't remember what it is anymore. They've changed it a couple times. Oh, well, you're going to prison now. I know. <laughs> CrossFit uh, prison. For everybody at Upper Arlington CrossFit, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry if we get sued. <laughs> uh, so let me just say... You're I just a contractor. A- what do you care, right? <laughs> I have a CrossFit Level 1 certification, Okay. and I teach classes, lead and or teach classes uh, at the gym I work at, which is Upper Arlington CrossFit. Right on. Now, one of the things I wanted to to discuss when it comes to that stuff, especially, I I mean, it kind of segues into what we've just been talking about you're like you said you know doing as as long as i'm doing good things for myself i know i'm going to keep rewiring that you know that uh that mechanism between your ears how important is strength and fitness to that process so strength strength is a component of fitness Um, right Strength is just something that I, it's my preferred, it's my preferred expression of fitness. I, I enjoy it. I like to lift heavy things and put them down again. Um, and, you know, I was just telling, uh, one of our members tonight, like at the, at the end of the day, the things that you do for fitness should be enjoyable and science backs this up. You know, I don't have the figures right on me, but all the old school bodybuilders, powerlifters, the figure athletes, the gymnasts would all say the same thing. Um, And there is scientific research on this. If you are doing a routine that you do not enjoy, it will not be as successful as a routine that you do enjoy. Oh, absolutely. 100% agree with you. Yeah. So now the flip side of that is like, you know, in order to pursue an inclusive fitness regimen, something like CrossFit, uh, you have to do things that you don't enjoy as much. For example, push-ups. I hate push-ups. <laughs> I did a bunch of burpees today, so I'm I'm so there with you on the I burp. prefer burpees over push-ups. Oh, I'd rather do push-ups. So see, there you go. That's a prime example. Uh I've done a Brazilian and one push-ups. Um <laughs> they are the most boring, tedious, hateful exercise that I can think of. It's the worst. The absolute worst. Um, so to me, strength is very important, especially because in my day job, I'm an iron worker, right. uh, and being able to move around 400 piece, 400 pound pieces of metal, um, with my bare hands, it really comes in handy. So sure. strength is very important to me personally. And, you know, the ability to, I don't have to do this anymore. But the ability to pick up one of my soldiers and all of their gear and carry them for a quarter mile 
is also very important. And that's that's a little bit of strength, and it's also a little bit of uh, strength endurance, a little bit of cardio endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's been important to me quite a bit over the last 20 years. I think you and I have uh, a lot of the, share a lot of the same views when it comes to fitness. I know I know you've you've been there encouraging me right along the way when I've gone through my last, my, my past, uh, transformation from, you know, a little over a year ago from being in great shape to being human, uh, furniture <laughs> to, <laughs> to getting back into shape. But I think, I think, we, you know, we share a lot of the same where it's like, you know, I want to be able to survive a catastrophe and I want to be able to be useful if I'm needed in, during a catastrophe. And I need to be able to kick somebody's ass. <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, you know, this. Um, so if we go, let, let me just say, if we go with the media's interpretation of this past week's weather events, then being able to be in good shape is a being in good shape having a higher than average level of physical fitness can be nothing but an asset absolutely um, where i used to live in michigan i don't recall and i used to live in bel air michigan i don't recall that we ever had a situation where we couldn't get out of the driveway yeah and I, li- I also lived in Interlock in Michigan, and I don't recall that I ever had a situation where I couldn't get out of the driveway there. However, should that have happened, I had cross-country skis and snowshoes in the event that that was my only transportation to get to the grocery store, assuming, of course, the grocery store was open and had food. Um, <laughs> and if I ha- would have had to go further afield, I could have taken that equipment to go 20 miles, 30 miles right? to get food and bring it back if necessary. Um, well, that's, that's, that's been one of my things where, you know, I, I, t- I talk to people and they're like, well, why do you have all, you know, your backpack full of survival gear? Why do you have all this shit? And it's like, uh, okay, a terrorist attack happens in downtown and traffic is backed up 90 miles in every direction. What do you do? You go cross country. You go cross country and you need your shit and you need your stuff. And the thing is the terrorist attack is a little bit, in my opinion, that's a little bit more outlandish powers out for 10 days. Swear to God, every year in the Midwest because we get ice storms. Yep. Now there goes my heater. Like I was warning you about (laughs) that is hella loud. (laughs) That's awesome. Wakes me me up in the night. (laughs) So, uh, we get you get ice storms, and I think the longest I can remember is parts of Missouri were without power for like three weeks. Well, That's I mean, here in, here in Kentucky, no, yeah, here in Kentucky, a couple of years ago, they had that ice storm where it was power was out for several weeks. Yeah, that's a long time. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. um, when yeah. power goes out, you know, how do you get gas? Guess what, buddy? You don't. Those <laughs> things aren't working anymore. Yeah. How do you get food? I don't know. You have to be able to get somewhere to get food. 
Yeah. Now, if you're like my parents and you live up in the boondocks, you can almost practically step out your back door and get food. But right. if you're in the city, you got to have the ability to get somewhere to get food and then bring it back to where you need it. And there may be uh, break it down Superman style. Along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I, I think it's definitely something that people don't think about when they think about getting in shape. They think Instagram model, you know. And that's, think, that's really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, some of those Instagram models are on it. You know, I'm not going to take anything, anything away from them. Some of them, you know, for example, she's not an Instagram model. Oh, now I can't remember her name, of course. You know, I saw her doing... She's actually a supermodel, but I saw her doing uh, landmine deadlifts, single leg deadlifts, stuff that you don't normally find supermodel types doing. Right, right. Um, and it wasn't ridiculously heavy weight, but, you know, that's not the look she's going for. But it's still better than just doing, you know, your bicep curls and the squat rack. <laughs> your banded squats. It's better. Even banded squats are better than uh, bicep curls and the squat rack. There was a guy at the gym today, and he's he's like an ex power lifter, and uh, he's a real good dude. And he was loading up, he was loading up a bar in the squat rack, and he put like ten pounds on it. And I was walking by, I was done with my workout, and I went, "You're not." And he turns and he looks at me, he says, "What?" I said, "You're gonna curl." He goes, "Man, get away from me!" Oh, man, that was, was one a... of the things I hated about our gym uh, when I was in Afghanistan in 2012. It was a decent gym. Go in there too late in the day, and there's three dudes curling in each of the squat racks. <laughs> and I really just wanted to tip, rip their heads off. Yeah. It's like, here, you ride on my shoulders and curl. I'm going to squat right yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I scared... Pardon. I scared the bejeebus out of some people um, that year. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was going for a squat. I was going for a heavy squat. must have been uh, about 375, 395, somewhere around there. Yeah, that's um, heavy. Yeah, it was, it was pretty heavy, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't quite get it. So all we had was pin and pipe safeties. And all we had was steel plates. So I got about three quarters or about halfway up. Couldn't stand it up. I just let it crash down on the safeties. And if you've ever heard 400 pounds crash down on steel <laughs> steel pin and pipe safeties, it's pretty loud. <laughs> and, but while I'm trying to stand it up, I let out a huge Mongo-like roar <laughs> as often as I possibly could. And I still couldn't stand it up. So you've got the roar. And then you've got the crash of the plates. And I stand up, and I'm like, I'm okay. And everybody's looking at me. There is this really young lieutenant on the uh, elliptical, and she's just staring at me like, oh, my God, what the hell just happened? You set off the lunk alarm, Ken. <laughs> I am the lunk. You are the lunk. Right on. Well, hey, um, one of the things as a coach – you know, we all have our thing. What What is the first thing you do when a brand new member comes into your gym and they're going to be in your class? Um, well, the first thing I do is ask them what their experience with CrossFit is. Mm -hmm. 
And then I don't want to say I immediately disregard that, but I always take it with a grain of salt because you've always got to watch out for people who are like, oh, yeah, I've, I've been doing this for years. I'm totally experienced, which I haven't had that yet, but I always it's always in the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, anytime I've talking, I'm talking to new people is if they tell me that they've got a whole lot of experience, most people say I've never done it before or I've done one class or whatever. Um, and then after that, I, uh, I introduce myself, you know, explain to them how things work and try to problem is I'm such a new coach that I'm trying to keep an eye on everybody. And I don't focus enough time on the people who are brand new to the class that I'm teaching. Um, so that's one of the things I got to work on, uh, work on as a coach is letting the people who know what I'm telling them to do, do it, and then spending more time with the person. For example, today was uh, today was uh, burpees, bar facing burpees. You know, it's too easy to break down the burpee, mm-hmm. and then uh, the assault bike, which it doesn't even have two wheels, so you, you anybody can ride the assault bike. <laughs> and then this, but the kicker was hang. Hang squat snatch, hang snatch, if you will. So if I had a new person, I would have to break that snatch down for them, which right. I, I actually break it down for everybody step by step by step because the Olympic lifts are fairly complicated. And they are. Just, that just a little bit of off position uh, can lead to major problems. So I, and that's one of the things I would be doing is just watching their form and making sure, I probably wouldn't even let them put weight on the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, just making sure that their form is good, correcting their form as much as possible. The thing about coaching new people, and I remember reading this in a CrossFit Journal article, is that you don't, you don't want to try and make them perfect on your first day. What you want to do is coach them to some improvement and then let them go. Make sure they're not hurting themselves, obviously. Coach right. them to some improvement and let them go. Yep. Yeah, and I tell you, uh, one of the things that I have learned of um, being a coach, and I, I don't know if maybe it can be, but in a group exercise setting, uh, you know, whether it's a martial arts class or a kickboxing class or, you know, maybe a uh, – you know, a body burn or whatever. Um, so I actually, I actually, before I started CrossFit, CrossFit, I actually used to do the body pump, body pump, and whatever the spin class was at oh yeah gym, right which was on. a lot of fun. I liked it. Yeah, it can be fun. It can be fun coaching those classes because it, be, you know, people have the, the people have so so oh, much no, fun I was, doing I was, it. I was a, I took the class. I didn't. Oh, you were taking the class. Yeah, it is fun. It yeah. is fun, but what I w- what I was alluding to is, um, you you were talking about the uh, the uh, you know the people that know what to do. I always found it was very beneficial for me as a coach to coach everyone like I anticipated them to be a coach someday. So if I'm over here with new guy who has never hit a focus mitt before in his life or whatever, then I can count on two of these guys that have been with me for a couple of years to 
make sure everybody else isn't screwing up, you know? And, uh, that, that was just how that was, that's just always been my approach to a group setting. I don't, I don't know if that's, uh, that's something you, you know, being a new coach, that might be something to, to think about down the line, but, uh, it was always really beneficial, especially in a martial arts setting, which is something I wanted to talk about because you've got a new endeavor going on, right? Yeah. So I just this week, uh, not the best launch ever, um, definitely could have gotten better. Not the worst though. Uh, yeah, but anyway, just this week, had my first class, uh, Ohio Civil Defense Academy, um, down in Groveport, Ohio, which is only about 20 minutes, 25 minutes away from where I am right now, kind of on the outskirts of, uh, Columbus. Right on. And what, what, what are you teaching there? So the best I can say is that I'm a, I'm teaching a melange of Filipino <laughs> martial arts, um, Kempo Jiu-Jitsu, close quarter combatives, and some, s- not exactly military combatives, but some tips and tricks I've picked up in the military. Right on. Right on. Um, yeah, that's the that's the best way I could put it. The, the Filipino martial arts are always going to be my first love. But that's not what everybody always wants. So... I've kind of got a little bit of everything in there. I kind of, I kind of dig that. That's, I love, love, love the Filipino martial arts. It's a lot of fun to do. At times, complicated for the sake of complication. <laughs> um, no way. <laughs> Seventy-five <laughs> angles. <laughs> yeah, I'm sometimes sorry, complicated Guru for Dan, the sake. Yeah. I'm sorry, Guru Dan. Don't send your assassins after me, please. Uh, uh, Guru's a, he's a sweetie. He wouldn't do that, but he has some, uh, he has some pathologic followers. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> Who wants followers. That's the problem. Yeah, this is a problem, but yeah, it's awesome that you're, that you're doing that up there. Um, when I, I, you know, I'm doing one on the 16th, I'm doing a, 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 a close quarters combat, uh, seminar on the 16th. And I find that there's really a passion or a, a, an interest or, a, a, or an interested passion, you might say, for it. But it's, it's, it's still one of those things where not a lot of people know about it, but the people that do know about it really want to do it. And it's uh, in Filipino martial arts or martial uh, combat, more, more combatives, oh, okay. uh, close quarters combat. And um, the people that do want to do it are really into it. And, yeah, the, so I th- and you know, Rawhide used to say the same thing um, that he would have, you know, 20 or 30 students. And then he'd have about 10, you know, eight to 10 bangers. Yeah. And I wanted to get in the back room and do close quarter combatives. Yeah. And like do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that um, I, I found out the hard way when trying to run a big school that um, if I could go back and open another martial, which I'm never going to open another martial arts <laughs> school. <laughs> That's the famous last words of a fool, isn't it? Um yeah, I've said I I'm never so many times. <laughs> but uh if it, it, you know to be able to go back in time 
I would look at my school a lot differently because I failed in so many aspects because I wanted it to be what I would want to go and do. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's always the trick, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it not we're, saying we're... not saying cater cater to your audience, but finding the niche that's going to get you the audience you want. Yeah, yeah, to help support the business so that you can still have that you know, six or seven bangers that'll show up in the back room and, uh, hard piping mothers. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Right on. Well, look, man, we're at like an hour and a half oh, and, uh, yeah, we could, st- we could probably, I could, I could talk to you for an hours and uh, it might not be interesting to anybody else, but it would be interesting to you and I, <laughs> especially when we start throwing in all the obscure movie lines and letter Kenny references, but can confirm can confirm. <laughs> it's a hard yes. Uh, <laughs> so before this this devolves into uh, you know nonsensical gibberish to everyone else, I wanted to thank you for coming on. I think you gave us some really cool insight uh, into uh, PTSD and traumatic brain injury that probably folks uh, you know probably haven't heard before. And, uh, I think that was really important and I'm, I'm really happy that you were able to come on and do that. And we're definitely going to have to have you on again. Hey man, so. that sounds good to me. And you know, if, uh, people, you know, I hope, hope people learn something about this, um, or from this, I should say, uh, and it's probably good that we're cutting off cause those, those three beers were fairly strong. <laughs> uh, and you know, the, I'll I'll just leave you all with uh, this thing: is you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask somebody if they're having a little trouble. Um, you might be surprised if you are if you can remain open and centered, and without you can show that you are without judgment when you ask somebody if they're having a little trouble. You will be amazed at the response that you get. And you might not even need to do anything other than just say, hey, are you having a little trouble here? Yeah. Yeah, guaranteed, dude. Guaranteed. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show. If people wanted to get in touch with you, how do they do it? Oh, that's a very good question. So I have an email address. It is k-e-n-t-b-o-b-i-i at gmail.com. If you're gonna, I get about a bajillion emails a day. Um, from all kind of different websites anymore. Penis ads and all the things that you clicked on, obviously. Uh, no, I've already ran through all the penis ads. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. So, you know, I'm signed up for a couple different knitting websites, YouTube updates, Facebook updates from my Facebook page, um, yeah. uh, stuff from the Crystal Ballroom, stuff I've got. If anybody wants cheap and or free ebooks bookbub i get updates from them every day on cheap or free ebooks and awesome. all kind of genres uh so bottom line is if you want to hit me up on email put something in there about the podcast and you can just put regarding podcast is fine awesome uh, that's probably the best way i also have a google phone number well you can just search for it because I can't get to it right now. I can't even <laughs> right on. 
Right on. What about uh, Instagram? Can people contact you? On uh, they can find me on the Instagram. My personal Instagram page is Emperor Kent Bob. <laughs> it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, I haven't exactly let go of the desire to be Emperor, but it's kind of <laughs> gone in the back. Okay, so my Google phone number for anybody who wants, don't don't call me. <laughs> You can send me a text. If you leave me a voicemail, I might get back to you. Uh, 614-349-5694. That's my Google phone number. not giving you out my personal phone number. You can have my Google. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show. And uh, I'm uh, I'm sure everybody got uh, something out of it. And uh, we'll have you on again real soon. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I think this is a great opportunity to talk uh, about some things that were near and dear to my heart, for sure. Awesome. Take care. Yep, you too. Bye. Well, all right. Two episodes in the can. This is a, this is a good track record. Give us, uh, give us a couple of weeks, and we will have three episodes and that's what you call a streak ladies and gentlemen thanks again for joining us uh and thanks uh again uh kent newland for being on the episode this week uh some great insight and i just wanted to give you all of the uh particulars please follow us on instagram at upfort fitness and uh please uh do so on Facebook, that would be up for it coaching and fitness on Facebook. And uh, you might want to also check out our private Facebook group. It's called Five Day Up For It Challenge. You go in there, we have lots of uh, little, uh, little video lessons and uh, follow along lessons that you can do and uh, completely free, 100% free. Just go and uh, request to join the group. We'll uh, uh, get you in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tons of great info in there that I know that you're going to uh, enjoy. And uh, I have a special treat for you. Uh, we're doing, uh, I'm doing something called an accountability audit. And it's completely free, 100% free. 30-minute uh, call. We can, do a, uh, we can do a phone call or we can do like a Skype or a Zoom call, video conference. And uh, basically what we're going to do in that is... Um, we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about whether you have uh, small, actionable goals that you can actually achieve. We're also going to discuss uh, and uh, talk about whether you know how to create lasting habit change. Do you know the process? And also, uh, who do you have other than yourself? Who do you have that can hold you accountable for achieving your goals and whatever those goals are. It could be losing weight, could be uh, quitting smoking, could be endeavoring to exercise more, it could be to run an Ironman. I don't care what it is, all goals are essentially the same and habit change uh, happens over time. It doesn't happen overnight, so that's the process we'll talk about on there. If you want to do that, no obligation to continue to do any coaching calls or anything. Like I said, 100% free. Go to our website, upforitcoaching.com slash 
accountability dash audit. So once again, that is upfordcoaching.com slash accountability dash audit. Or you could just message me on Instagram at upfordfitness and I'll, uh, I'll hook you up. Okay. All right, guys. So that's it for this week. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed the show as much as I have enjoyed uh, doing it. And uh, please share, 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 share all of our episodes with all of your peeps and let them know that we are the best thing going around. <laughs>